When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pod Like a Raven. I am not Antonio Barbera. He is still inebriated after Italy's victory in Euro 2020. Congrats to the Azzurri and our podcast friend, Antonio Barbera. No, I kid, he is on vacation. So I am Tim Horsey here filling in. Uh, the hosting duties, so this is going to go completely off the rails within the first couple of minutes and should be fun. Joining me, as always, on the left coast, best coast, is Jace Evans. Jace, how are you, bud? I'm doing good, Tim. Uh, yeah, um, probably not in as good spirits as Antonio between Italy and uh, so, some nice time off, but uh, getting ready for the Olympics, uh, getting ready for Ravens football, uh, despite how, you know how relatively quiet it's been, It. It's on the horizon. We're almost through July. Training camps are going to be opening here soon. The Hall of Fame game is probably like three weeks from now. So I'm very excited. There was a picture uh, that Warren Sharp tweeted out. I tweeted it out. uh, Shameless plug at Tim Horsey if you want to find it on Sunday of Lamar Jackson from week one, 2019. It's the Dolphins. And it's a close up picture of him and you can see his visor and the reflection is basically what Lamar sees. And it's like the dopest picture I've ever seen. And I just tweeted, I miss football so much. I cannot (laughs) wait. Um, Speaking of off the rails, though, real quickly, I am just curious, and this is more as a friend and not even a Ravens thing. And maybe if you want to answer this question for yourself, at Raven on Twitter, Instagram, Raven at gmail.com as well. Do you care about the Olympics? Because I'd like, I know you have to cover it for work, and I understand that. But as a fan, as a sports person, I, I... can wholeheartedly call you and myself sports nerds in in the best sense of the word do you care about the olympics because frankly i'll spoiler alert i don't really 
I don't really either, to be completely honest with you. And I've always actually liked the Winter Olympics more than the Summer Olympics. Mm. I don't really know why. I just... I find the sports more interesting between the skiing and the snowboarding and, you know, some of the, the ice hockey stuff, the speed skating. Um, the ice hockey tournament's always fun. I always just find it more, I don't know, interesting to me than, like, the Summer Olympics. I don't know, maybe it's because America is not as good at track as we once were, like, way back. But, yeah, I uh, I guess I was into it when, like, Phelps was, you know, peak of his powers, 2008, Michael Phelps. Uh, we probably watched the Olympics a lot. But, you know, it, it, the last few Olympics have been weird, too, just because they've been on such weird time, you know, they're the Tokyo's 13 hours ahead of the East coast. So it's like tomorrow morning there at like 6 PM our time. It's very strange. <laughs> so it, like all the events are like late, late at night or early, early in the morning. And that's kind of hard to get into, I think. Yeah. I, that's a really good point. I think, uh, you know, uh, in my, the job that pays me is a soccer channel, Sirius XM FC on Sirius XM. And so we're covering the Olympics from the U.S. women. The US, uh, well, never mind. The U.S. men didn't qualify. The U.S. <laughs> women's angle. And their their games, they're like at 4 a.m. And yeah. I already get up early as it is for a morning show. I, I just, I don't, I just, I can't. And yeah, I like, I, I love watching the U.S. women. They are dominant. They're one of my favorite teams to watch because of just how they um, manhandle, for lack of a better term, other teams on the field. But I just, I, I couldn't care enough. Anyway, let's get off of this. We're three and a half minutes into the program, and we're talking about a sport we don't care about. Let's talk about a sport and a team that we do, and that is the Baltimore Ravens here on Pod Like a Raven. And we have to start <laughs> with a story that I don't want to talk about. Um, the definition of old men yelling at clouds because there's nothing else to talk about. And they, frankly, want to criticize a quarterback that they know will get them clicks. And that is our dearly beloved Lamar Jackson. I'm sure you know the story by now. Lamar Jackson going back to, and I'm just going to say exactly what this is, and then we're going to talk about the asinine people that decided to criticize this. Goes back to his hometown um, in Broward County to do his third annual fun day with LJ through his Forever Dream Dreamers Foundation, where Lamar Jackson, a hero, an idol, an icon to many Ravens fans, but probably more importantly and more significantly, the the children of Broward County who saw him rise up is the wrong word, but basically succeed and make it to Heisman winner, NFL MVP, superstar in the National Football League and give them a platform to go. I can do the same thing. This This guy is exactly who I was at my age. Let's do this. So Lamar is out there hanging out with the kids being if you look at all the social media videos super interactive with everybody i think he brought kodak black along who was another broward <laughs> county legend so another celebrity that these kids love and can look up to and because lamar jackson decided to run on some asphalt and because lamar jackson doesn't have his uh his signed his, his signed his extension yet the talking heads who get paid to spit BS for a living at exorbitant prices. I mean, give me that job, please. I, I can make up crap on the fly, too. <laughs> Decide to criticize Lamar and say, you need to worry about getting your money. Shannon Sharp was one of these, uh, among many, many others, saying he's got to worry about himself. Why is he helping the kids in his local area? And obviously, this is kind of blown up. Um, I, I, I 
my own personal story with this, and as somebody who really tries to avoid ESPN other than highlights and games, I was uh, got a new haircut at a place in D.C. called Scotch and Scissors, and the whole thing in the name. And Jason, I promise I'll let you have your say on this. Just real, real quick, my final little anecdote here. They give you a free cocktail after you get a haircut. So you get a nice fresh cut, and then because you, you pay an exorbitant price because it's the Washington, uh, D.C. area, you get a free cocktail. So I had an old-fashioned, which is a drink that you're not drinking fast. You're sl- sipping slowly. It wasn't big by any stretch of the imagination. But so, you know, call it 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes. And there's a little bar there. And on the TV, no sound, thank God, was some debate show with Emmanuel Acho and I believe Marcellus Wiley. And the entire 10, 12 to 15 minutes, I was sitting there sipping on this cocktail, this old-fashioned. They were debating whether it was a good idea for Lamar (laughs) to play with the kids in his hometown. Jace, I've said my piece. I've clearly, while laying this story out, I've given my own opinion of it. What say you? Yeah, I... I... (laughs) It was one of those things when I first saw it where I was just like, oh, good for him. Like, <laughs> it was kind of, I just kind of moved on. I think I saw, you know, your Bleacher Reports, these kind of aggregator sort of video Twitter sites, um, just kind of posted the video, reposted it from, I guess it was from Instagram or something, just like reshared the video. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. And I didn't really think too much of it. And I kind of moved on with my day. And then, yeah, as you said, it... It blew, uh, it just blew up into a stupid thing. I mean, not that we need to, to pump him, but the dumbest thing I saw was this from one Mr. Uh, Skip Bayless. This will show oh, you. Oh, yeah, he right. He has a take on it. When we talked about this a couple days back, because as you said, this has been literally all that's happened in the NFL world. This has been what people have been talking about for the last week, because uh, nothing else, really nothing else has happened in the NFL. But... When we talked about this a couple days back, I defended Lamar to a point because obviously he knows what those kids are thinking and feeling because he was one of those kids not too long ago, Bayless said. This is via FoxSports.com. The problem with Lamar that I see from a distance is he's still got too much of those kids in him. He still hasn't grown all the way up to respect and appreciate the responsibility he has to his team as the face of the franchise, as a recent former MVP of this league, and a man standing on the precipice of signing the biggest contract in the history of the sport. Yet he's willing to risk that? It's insane. <laughs> I, I, you know, you know who, uh, if anyone cares about it, him, but at least the act of him, like running on asphalt and being a wide receiver in DB, which I guess is at the heart, the quote unquote concern is it should be the Ravens, but they reposted the video. So clearly the team doesn't care. So if the team doesn't care what Lamar's doing, like none of us should care. And then the, He doubled down on it, rightfully so. He said, it's better to have them kids out there having fun and then then playing with guns and poop emoji. So next year, we're running it back with even more fun. And I think that's what you have to do in the face of all this, like, stupid criticism where you're just like, it's, I think you said the word acidine, but yeah, it's like so acidine. It just, it's, it's, it's wild that this has become a story. And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. Lamar is just one of those guys, and like you said, He's become a clickbait thing, which is, a, I think, at least a testament to how good he is, how much people care about him, which we've never been able to say about any offensive player in the history of the Baltimore Ravens before now. But he just is a driver of so much conversation, and we're just going to have to, I think, deal with stories like this his entire career, pretty much. Um, 
unfortunately. But yeah, I don't have too much more to add. It's just, it's just, I wish we didn't have this debate cycle. It's like the bad side of sports media, which we admittedly both work in, but it's, it's, it's not great. And it's very annoying. And especially this time of year, uh, it it can just be so so draining to have to follow this discourse and how 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 loony it all is. I, I think, and I don't want to cover too much more of it because one, the angle that I take is I couldn't be prouder to have Lamar Jackson represent my football team. Um, I think that everything we've seen from him, I I have. You're allowed to criticize his play. Fine, if you want to do that, people people do it wrongly and poorly all often and all of the time but if you want to if you want to criticize his performance on the field because you don't think that he's performing at his top level what have you fine I will accept that because everybody's allowed to have their own opinions on the on the field stuff but off the field it's sad that I I can confidently say almost no other quarterback in this league would receive this type of slander for doing the same exact thing and it's because of Lamar and who he is and how polarizing he is. And fr- and frankly, and sadly, I guarantee you a part of it is the color of his skin as well, which it's just a, a topic we don't need to get into, but is something that is a bit, not a bit, is too rampant and too existent, I guess. Um, and way more than it should be, obviously. I'm not stating, the, uh, stating anything revolutionary there. But everything off the field from the support of his hometown to, I mean, hell, when he got drafted, the the chip on his shoulder, the they're going to get a Super Bowl out of me, believe that, all of that stuff, the way he speaks, the anytime he's interviewed by a female reporter, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, just how respectful he is. Like, I, I don't, well, I do understand, Jace, you're right, because we're in this business, and they do it to get clicks, and they don't do it as actual reporting, and when we were in school, it, um... It, it was something that we brought up. I remember having ethics classes in journalism school that they were like, this is where sports media is going and we don't want it to go this way. Help, political media is going as well. And that's just the sad fact of it. And, that, and that's kind of what it is nowadays. I work on a radio show. I wouldn't call it journalism per se. We're more of an entertainment program. But there are some days where I'm not doing it intentionally. I never try and we don't, we don't fabricate anything. But there's definitely hot button issues, you know, Manchester United and are they good or bad whatever it is is a common one that are gonna press people's buttons and you and sometimes they just come up but this one is so forced and so false and so ridiculous that I don't see I don't see any other any other way to think of it um but you know I think that's enough on that. We we don't necessarily have to talk about it. Uh, we, we there's not a ton of other things here. I do want to bring up and Jace, I'm throwing you for a loop uh, behind the scenes. This is not in the rundown, but just a nice story uh, from Gus Edwards, who signed a contract extension that we that we covered a couple months ago, or maybe it was last month. Um, and this is just cool. The Baltimore Ravens, BaltimoreRavens.com, Ryan Mink, Garrett Downing, all those guys. They put together a nice story. Uh, he had bought his family a house, and the the tweet went viral. Uh, from the Ravens, uh, they tweeted it, let me see, uh, 9.30 on Monday, as we record this, kind of Gus going through uh, on his Instagram story, like showing the house that he bought. And if you don't know, it's just another reason to bring this up. Obviously, uh, Gus Edwards, if you didn't know, his family is from Liberia. They fled Liberia during its 12-year civil war to find a better life in America. 
Uh, they obviously, he went to Rutgers. They grew up in the New York area. And it's just a, a very good, rags to riches is the wrong way to put it, but another very good story about a guy who we both love here on this <laughs> podcast. I know I can speak for Antonio who loves him as well, although Antonio is wide receiver bias. We know it. Um, <laughs> that it's just very cool to see. Don't really have to comment on it more, but I thought I should share that. Love Gus yeah, Bus and the classic American dream story, right? A hundred percent. We we all we all love, and it happens and still happens in real life. Maybe increasingly far between, but it is out there for people, and so you always love to see stories like that. Yeah, and as the Baltimore Ravens article says, next up another season of the Gus Bus rolling over defenses. So long may it continue, Mister Edwards. All right. Let's move on to some other NFL stories. Now, I will take you behind the curtain a little bit here on Pod Like a Raven. Um, Antonio, who is the host of this show, usually puts the rundowns together, and he does so very well. And Jace took the reins today. We've kind of double-teamed family show Antonio's responsibilities here on Pod Like a Raven with him being out. And Jace put together a fantastic rundown. He really did. But story number two, he put a Tom Brady. And I'm a, I'm a, little, bit, I'm a little bit ticked off with this. This story came out... Tom Brady played the 2020, uh, 2020 NFL season, which ended in his seventh Super Bowl, on a torn MCL. And um, I'll go first here, Jace, because you can have the floor after me. I don't care, because this just sounds like Tom Brady trying to get more shine for this Super Bowl that he was already being lauded for. So, like, it came so late after the fact. Why are we talking about this? If, if you <laughs> didn't, if, if this was a real thing, it should have been being reported on during the season, and Clearly, I'm, I'm playing with this a little bit and kind of tongue-in-cheek a little bit. But it is kind of annoying that on, in the middle of July, we're now like, oh, you know that Tom Brady guy? You know how great he is? Well, he's even greater because he played with an injury. Yeah, it, it is a little, does, does smack a little of Tom Brady trying to get himself back in the news. <laughs> um, during a time we haven't been thinking about Tom Brady uh, in a while, but... It sounds like this injury occurred actually during his last season with the Patriots, which is kind of the interesting sort of thing of it. And he, he played through a torn MCL. The more I thought about it, though, um, since I read it, when I first read it, I was like, wow, that's crazy. But then you think about it more, you're like, well, he like doesn't move. Like, that's his whole thing, right? Two-step drops, three-step drops, and he throws those slants, and that's... That's what Tom Brady has done for the last, you know, seven years um, of his career as his arm strength has slowly faded away. So, it, you know, it's not completely inconceivable to me that a guy that this game is zero athleticism, basically, like Tom Brady's is, can actually play on a tournament at MCL. I, I forget what podcast I was listening to, but someone mentioned, you know, Obviously, famously, Philip Rivers played on a torn ACL in the AFC Championship game one year. So it's not outside the realm of possibility. But yeah, you're right. It is just going to, you know, further uh, uh, fan the flames, I guess, of this Tom Brady like hagiography and stuff. And <laughs> it's just very frustrating because do we need to pump the tires more for a guy who has seven Super Bowls? Take Who's your seven the, Super Bowls and just leave us be, I say. <laughs> you know what I'm so it's it's I'm excited for I'm trying to calculate this. Six years after Tom Brady retires. Because he'll retire, though he'll I guarantee you he's doing a retirement tour. He's gonna let everybody know yeah. at the beginning of the season. Everybody's gonna have to give him gifts. He's gonna come to Baltimore and hopefully they boo him and don't give him a gift. That would be great. <laughs> um because 
they shouldn't. And giving gifts to opposing players is stupid. I don't care how much you respect them. And I respect Tom Brady a lot. It's stupid. It's dumb. Stop doing retirement tours. That being said, Ray Lewis did it for the playoffs, and it was awesome. Um, <laughs> it helped us win the Super Bowl. I mean, come on. Yeah. And, num- and number two, I say six years because he's going to retire. It's going to be all this pomp and circumstance. He's probably going to win an eighth Super Bowl. I mean, I hope not, but I'm just being a realist here. Or, or ninth. Who the hell knows? Um, or 10th god maybe go for double digits why not tom and there's gonna be this whole thing for him it's gonna go on for weeks and weeks he's gonna get drunk again at the super bowl parade and you know (laughs) fall off his boat or whatever the hell and then we're gonna hear more from brady 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 and then he's a first ballot hall of famer and that's five years after you retire I, i think i have that right and then it's a whole nother media cycle of Tom Brady is the greatest ever. And is he the greatest athlete of all time in American sports history? And he's going to give some terrible speech. It's going to get clipped out and put everywhere. And then six years after a full year after that, hopefully, hopefully we're done with Tom Brady. That being said, he'll probably show up on some telecast somewhere and that will be a nightmare. And speaking of former quarterbacks now doing telecast look maybe i can do this whole hosting thing i did not plan that i promise you some news came out right before we started recording this podcast and we wanted to bring it to your attention and this is news i'm way more excited about even though it does involve a former quarterback who used to torch the ravens often and that is peyton manning and his brother eli will now be doing an alternate monday night football broadcast um on next season the 2022 season and the 2023 season. So some some details here for you. Peyton and Eli will be from a remote location. They'll have celebrities, including iconic and current players, join them. This is all coming, by the way, from a tweet from ESPN PR that they put out. Um, the new the new mega cast will be on ESPN two uh, with going across ESPN plus, what have you. It complements the traditional one with Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick, John Perry, and Lisa Salters, um, and. Another little detail here from Richard Deitch, who covers sports media, a really good follow if you're into this sort of stuff, um, like us who have no time on our hands. It Apparently, in the, uh, in the press release that he got, it said that Peyton and Eli will be joined each week by a to-be-determined uh, host or a play-by-play person. You know, it, it's probably not going to be an exact play-by-play-like thing, and this is what everybody's trying to do. They're trying to do something different with their broadcast to make people... Um, who don't have attention spans anymore, talking to you kids, uh, sports still. And I believe, if I didn't share it already, they're going to be doing 10 games in each of these seasons, 2021, 2022, and 2023. So, Jace, uh, you know, surface level, I'm excited. What say you? Yeah, I, uh, I, I I was reading about this news this afternoon. Uh, I missed the announcement this morning because I was asleep. <laughs> and, uh, um, I, I I'm I'm really excited for this. I I think you know I like Peyton Manning. I think he's funny. I like Eli Manning. He's pretty funny. Um, and I'm with you. I I don't have anything against uh, the the Monday Night Football booth. I'm actually of the mind that people just are too hard on the Monday night broadcast team, regardless of who it is. Like, you know, we're Booger and Joe Tess. Great. No, but I don't think they're as bad. Cause when, as, as everyone said, cause when like Joe Tess shows up on a college football broadcast, I'm like, Oh, Joe Tess. And like the same thing people didn't like when Sean McDonough, one of like America's great play by play voices was the voice of Monday night football. They were like, Oh, this doesn't work. And it's like, well, Sean McDonough is one of the best in the business. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. Um, so I, I think that's kind of just, 
the nature of the position. But that being said, you know, I don't have any real affinity for the Levy Greasy Riddick booth. I think it's an improvement probably on what they had, but um, you know, uh, for a few years there, especially when like Witten was in the booth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I, I don't have a like love that booth. So I'll definitely check out the Peyton and Eli stuff just because especially too with Monday night football, they get some awful games sometimes. And so like when you're watching like the the game, I think would be fun to watch with like Peyton and Eli was there was that Monday night game a few years ago with the, 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 where Darnold threw like eight picks against the Patriots and he was seeing ghosts. And that game was just terrible. It was like Patriots won like 23 to nothing or something. And you know, those are the kind of games I think that would be fun that you get on Monday night football. Okay. Let me jump in. Yeah. Let me jump in real quick. Here's your slate, and I want I want you to continue. Here's your slate, and remember they're only doing ten of these games, oh, uh, yeah. and I bu- and I believe they're doing the they are doing. I think Richard Deitch confirmed they're doing the first three here, which is Ravens Raiders. But Jace is going to be with me in Las Vegas watching that game. I'm inviting you. Uh, week two is Lions Packers with maybe not Aaron Rodgers, so there's a stinker. <laughs> week three is Eagles Cowboys. Who knows? Oh, uh, and I'll run through the rest of these quickly. Raiders again, Chargers. Colts Ravens, you got to imagine that Peyton will be on that game. Colts Ravens, uh, let's see, Bills Titans, not bad. Saint Seahawks, uh, Giants Chiefs, that's weird. Bears Steelers, Rams Niners, uh, Giants Bucks, Seahawks football team, I love that. Patriots Bills, uh, Rams Cardinals, uh, Minnesota Chicago Dolphins Saints, and then Browns Steelers. So. It's an okay slate this year. Yeah, I was going to say, not as bad, I feel like, as in some recent years. have just been awful, awful games on Mondays. But, yeah, I mean, I still think some of these games that I just, like, you know, I'm not invested in, I think it'd be fun to check out what Peyton and Eli are up to. Like, you know, like, Vikings. <laughs> I, like, I don't. I don't need to watch Steve leaving. Vikings like, Bears. Yeah, I don't need. I don't need them to call that game. So, like, I'll check out uh, Peyton and Eli there, and I imagine they'll have some fun. Um, you know, it's funny they for the last several years since he retired, basically every time they need, basically since Gruden left. Uh, every time they need a new Monday Night Football analyst, everyone's like, oh, Peyton Manning's going to do it. And then he never does because he gets too much money just doing commercials and chilling. But uh, I think it's notable his production company's intimately involved in this broadcast. It sounds like they're like producing it. So mm-hmm. um, That is, yep. <laughs> that's o- sure. Omaha Productions, by the way. Omaha yeah, Productions. Yeah, so I'm sure that's like why it got done. But yeah, I, I, it'll be cool just because everyone's been kind of clamoring for Peyton on Monday Night Football. So... You're not probably getting it how people imagine, but you're getting it in some way. And I think with him and Eli, it'll be, I think it'll be fun. Yeah, here's some more details from the press release before I get into uh, my opinion. Quote, Peyton and Eli will bring a different approach, delving into conversation about broader, big-picture topics, while also honing in on the game, much like fans do when watching with their family and friends. Uh, Peyton, Manning will be joined, Peyton and Eli excuse me, will be joined each week by to-be-determined host, Iconic and current athletes, as well as celebrities, are expected to appear throughout the season. Uh, quick side note, that's the part I care the least about. Um, and then, where is the other part here? Produced by ESPN. Uh, oh, here it is. Sorry. Fans will be treated to a mix of in-the-moment analysis, big-picture NFL dialogue, knee-jerk reaction, historical perspective, and more. So, my thoughts here, first of all, it's a lot of word salad. It's a press release. That's kind of how these things work. 
that those two lines, uh, big picture NFL dialogue, moment mix of in the moment analysis, knee jerk reaction, historical perspective, and then delving into conversation about broader big picture topics while also honing in the game, much like fans do when they watch with their family and friends. A um, couple things. I was more excited about this until I read the press release. Uh, two, I barely talk to anybody outside of Jason Antonio when I watch a Ravens game. Most of the time, <laughs> even in big party groups, I'm screaming at the TV about how Ben Cleveland just had a great guard pull and knocked a guy out. And everybody's like, shut up. The Buffalo chicken dip's great. That's why we came here. We're not here to listen to you break down offensive line play. Um, but I do it anyway because I just get too excited. So I don't, I don't love this whole idea of we're going to kind of talk over the game. Um, I, I, I like the, the different way of that they're doing it. I don't like the maybe they're not covering every second or third down. Um, and apologies mm. if you can hear that background noise here on my recording. Um, I'm back in Carroll County and someone is cutting their grass. Uh, <laughs> what I want this to be is the incredibly nerdy option for guys like us um, or guys who want to get more into the X's and O's, the guys who the all 22 tape, as they say, the over the top camera angle where you can see all the action as it develops, as it breaks down. And Peyton and Eli, arguably two are the smarter guys to play this game, especially from the quarterback position, um, kind of breaking that stuff down in the moment. I think that would be incredibly interesting. Um, an expanded Chris Collinsworth with Peyton Manning doing it instead of Chris Collinsworth almost. Where I like Chris Collinsworth. I know he gets a lot of flack. Um, I don't like how much he loves the Steelers and the Patriots, but that's a whole different conversation for a Bengals player, by the way. But he's very good at, in the moment, uh, he immediately sees something, they cut to him, he goes to the telestrator, yada, yada, yada. I think this type of broadcast gives Peyton and Eli a bit more room to breathe breaking down down big plays maybe you get some shorter commercials although i doubt it because you know let's be honest it's the nfl and it's a it's a television product but maybe give them more time to breathe in between plays of here's what just happened let's see that that's what interests me in this if it's more of oh peyton's friends with ryan reynolds like let's (laughs) interview him for 10 minutes i'm gonna turn it off and i'm gonna go back to uh, Steve Levy and the gang, who, as you said, I think are, you know, they're they're fine. I don't, I don't think they're they're terrible by any stretch of the imagination. But um, but I want I want this to be my first option. And in my head, what I think it's going to be would be my first option, especially Jace, like you say, on games where I'm like, it's a Monday night. I got nothing going on. I'm watching football by myself, baby. Let's get a bag of chips and watch Peyton break down the cover too. Like, sign me up for that. <laughs> but but the whole. Disneyization of it uh, does worry me just a bit. I will say too, just them doing more than like it not just being one-offs because people get like adults who I don't know. Like I never watched this stuff, but uh, like in the playoffs when they did like the Nickelodeon broadcast, and I think they did something similar like on a different channel or, or no they did a, i guess that nba avengers one that was what i was thinking oh, but God. they they did like the nickelodeon broadcast and like all these like grown people were like watching this broadcast for children and i was like what's happening but like so i imagine people will like tune in very heavily to the Peyton and eli first one and then as they do that week after week it'll kind of just become normal and people will kind of stop caring about it but that's we'll see as you said if they if they do interesting stuff i'm also yeah similarly afraid to be like did you know that jim belushi's a bears fan and they'll have like him on and 
<laughs> they'll have like George Went and uh, what is his name, Robert Schmeichel or whatever. The, the super, the super friends. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Like like the, like guys he's met on like Peyton's places or whatever. And, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I'm holding out hope, but similar to you, I, uh, I, I I I don't want to get my hopes up. That'll be you know the sole broadcast I'll be watching going forward when it comes to Monday Night Football. Sure. So, all right. Interesting to see what happens there. One final story here that broke on Monday as well. Um, And it sucks. The Steelers, in a shrewd move that I wanted the Ravens to make desperately, have signed or are expected to sign as of recording, not completely official yet, but it's being broke by uh, Ian Rappaport is the first man I saw with it, that after a visit on Monday, Melvin Ingram, the former San Diego, L.A. Charger, outside linebacker, defensive end, sack machine, uh, you know, most of the time anyway, is joining the Pittsburgh Steelers on a one-year deal. Uh, before I get into my thoughts, Jace, immediate thoughts here. Melvin Ingram going to the black and gold. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I hate it, and I don't want to besmirch our, our, our co-host while he's not here, but I'm noticing a trend of guys he really wants to join the Ravens seem to increasingly join Ravens rivals. We have the, had the Jadavion Clowney fiasco last season. Now Why doesn't have... Antonio want Billy Cundiff on the Ravens? <laughs> like, just start picking guys like that. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and so now Melvin Ingram, and I think you said, you know, a sack machine most of the time. He obviously didn't actually have any sacks and kind of a – injury uh shortened campaign injury hampered campaign last year i think he's gonna have a ton of sacks this year uh i think i think you know they lose bud dupree via free agency and they plug in what to me is probably the best pass rusher on the market who's gonna play opposite of tj watt he's gonna get single teams he's gonna get his opportunities and i think he's gonna have a lot of success and you know probably get himself like paid i think right like if he has a good season on a one-year deal so it's very beneficial for both sides and i hate that i hate the steelers this is why the steelers are frustrating because they're a well-run team they're a shrewd organization they make good moves and that's why they've been good for 50 years it's 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 very it's incredibly frustrating but you know you kind of at the end of the day tip your hat to them like they like the ravens they are well run well run and that's what helps make the rivalry so good right but teams are always good every year and this is yet another good move by the Steelers to replace a piece they lost on the cheap with a good veteran option who I think is going to have fine success yeah I I mean I joke about Antonio but for me this was a guy that I kept circling as well that I'd like from the start of free agency you knew he was going to come on the cheap because he was injured and didn't have any sacks last year Adafi away not the injury part just the sacks part um <laughs> And I wanted the Ravens to do this move. And if we're if this was a Steelers podcast and we were talking about this from uh, the other angle, if the Ravens had done this move, everything Jace just said, you could have said. They're a re- well-run organization. It's why the rivalry is great. It's why it's so frustrating because they make great moves. And I think you kind of nailed it, Jace. Since 2015, 10 and a half sacks, 8 sacks, 10 and a half sacks, 7, 7, and then 0 last year, as you mentioned. He only played in 7 games because of injury. Uh, actually only finished, I believe, let me look here. Pro Football Reference has him only 10 total tackles, 5 solo tackles. Um, and then obviously no sacks as well. I think he is not 
an every down starter for them. Um, by the looks of their depth chart, I'm just I did a quick look here. It, I don't know who's going to play outside linebacker for them. Out uh, opposite T.J. Watt, it might be Alex Highsmith. Might be the guy who plays out there. Um, I, I don't really see any other names in their in their linebacking core here. And then out in, in terms of outside linebacker, all they have according to NFL.com is T.J. Watt. So who obviously is an incredible player. But I think what you do on on running situations, first down, second down, what have you, third and short, Melvin Ingram's not going to see the field. But anytime he's got to pin his ears back and go, Melvin Ingram's going to be on the field and Melvin Ingram's going to get after the quarterback because T.J. Watt is on one side and you have to focus on T.J. Watt. And that means that Melvin Ingram, who for a lot of his career was that guy that you focused on and then Bosa came in and then it was kind of a two-pronged attack, it's going to be the same thing here in Pittsburgh. He's not going to be the better one, but he's going to get his opportunities because he's not going to be paid attention to as much, and that is incredibly frustrating. Um, I, I, I will only push back on you on I don't think he gets paid. He this He's going on 32, I believe, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a pass rusher, I, could, I can totally see, you know, he gets 10 sacks or whatever, and then, I don't know, let's pick a dumb franchise. The Jaguars pay him like a ridiculous amount of money over three seasons or whatever it is Uh, excuse me he's already 32 he turned 32 in april Mm. um so i don't see that happening i I don't think he's gonna i'm sitting on the fence a little bit i don't think he's gonna blow up in terms of sack numbers i don't think double digits are in the question even though i just made the the jaguars joke but anywhere from like six to eight is good for them and good for what he's gonna do for them and they're probably gonna come because he'll be in only playing passing situations, it's going to come at some probably pretty vital moments. That being said, he's 32. He can't catch Lamar Jackson, so we're fine. <laughs> he is one of those guys who's older than uh, you, you think. Uh, I, I, I definitely thought he was younger than that. But, yeah, I, I hate it. I mean, any time the Steelers make a good move, I hate it. <laughs> right. Well, you say that, Jace, because across his first three seasons here, he only had a sack, a sack, four sacks, and then – when he was 26, that's when he had his 10.5. Then he had 8. Then he went for 10.5 again, and that's when he started getting recognized, really, in 2017. He made three straight Pro Bowls from 2017 to 2019. Uh, again, 10.5, 7, and 7. And then um, 0, like we said in this previous year. And as we mentioned, uh, or we didn't mention, but never forget, he was a nightmare in Lamar's first playoff yes, game. Yeah. Um, I was- yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, that he smoked Orlando Brown Jr. several times during that game. Several times, and Greg Roman, or not, was it Greg Roman? Yeah. No, uh, who was the offensive coordinator? Been Marty Morningwig? Might it, it was Marty Morningwig. Didn't adjust to the game plan, and the Ravens lost that playoff game, and then this stupid narrative about Lamar Jackson started. Anyway, enough Ravens news. We're going to have some fun now towards the end of the show. Again, Kind of a light week. I should mention as well, by the way, and you know, a good host like Antonio would have done this. Apologies for missing kind of our two-week mark that we do in the offseason. Obviously, with these, the schedule, Antonio being out, um, we had some things kind of go awry in terms of the scheduling um, and just being able to put the podcast together, getting two of us in front of a microphone as well. <laughs> so we are doing it this week, and then let me pull up the list here. The next episode will be August 10th. So if I'm doing my math correctly, that will be another three-week gap. So we'll be back on August 10th. Uh, I'm going on vacation, and I'm the one who has the editing technology, unfortunately. So I will not be around August 2nd. We'll be back August 10th. And from August 10th on, we're every Monday coming back to you 
with games starting as well. Pod like a Raven back in full swing. The Ravens back. I'm just so excited. But until then, so again, just to reiterate, August 10th will be your next episode after this one. And I believe it will be all three of us again. I think we'll all, all three of us will be back. So you don't have to hear me drone on and on and on as much. Uh, don't worry. I'll still go on useless monologues from t- time and again. Now, before we get to a fun game that I wanted to play at the end here, let's do our random Raven. Obviously, I will be a little shorthanded this week as it is Jace's <laughs> turn for the random Raven. And I will be the only one guessing here. Uh, if you get the random Raven, we should mention this. Please let us know at Jace T. Evans at Antonio underscore Barbera. Don't bother him. He's on vacation. At Tim Horsey, at Pod Like a Raven, all on Twitter. Instagram at Pod Like a Raven as well if you want to message us there. Um, Jace, kick it off, man. Five clues for Random Raven. Who you got? Yeah, I didn't reach too far back, and I was kind of surprised we haven't touched on this guy. But uh, clues were a little hard to come by, so hopefully you can get this. But so, he's an, so he's an offensive lineman? Not a lineman, but he is an ah, offensive okay. player. <laughs> um this player out of UCF latched on to the Ravens practice squad in 2013 after spending one season with the Bills and one season with the Patriots. He jumped up to the 53-man roster in 2014, where he then spent three seasons in the Ravens lineup, appearing in 48 games with 20 starts. He caught 128 passes for 1,539 yards and nine touchdowns in those three years, leading the team in all those categories in 2015. Four, he moved on to the Colts in 2017 and then spent the final season with the Eagles in 2018. And our final clue for the day, his number 11 has since been worn by three other fellow wide receivers, including Rashad Perriman, Seth Roberts, and James Prochet. Yeah, this guy should have been on this list already. <laughs> yeah. if, I'm, if, I'm, if I think I know who it is, although the 11, I'm, I'm, ooh, I'm, Fairly confident that he wore 11, but I also think he might have worn 13. And Colts, Colts and Eagles, like that. Oh, all right, anyway. We'll, we'll give <laughs> we'll you. circle back to our friend there. <laughs> you know, we'll give you time to think about it. I, I, I had no clue until the 11 came up. This guy led the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns in 2015. <laughs> he did. That was a cursed season, but. Uh... What was our? I don't, I don't want to look it up. I, I do have some stats up because of uh, the next game we're going to play. I won't look this one up. I promise. What, what was the record in twenty fifteen? Because again, as we talk about, that was that weird. We just got out of college, figured out our lives, and the Ravens were not good, not bad, just there. So some of it kind of falls by the wayside. Was that were yeah. they eight and eight that year? No, that was the next season. This was the year everyone got hurt. So they this was the year they went five and eleven, and that's mm. what landed them the Ronnie Stanley pick. Right. Right. Okay. Um, okay. But they did beat the Steelers twice. <laughs> Never I <forget>. do remember <laughs> that successful season. Moving on swiftly. Um, I want to play a game now. With we would like to try and throw some more fun stuff in, especially when there's not as much news. Um, you know, during the season, this is very much a hard recap, 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 recap. A little bit of a preview, recap, recap, recap uh, type of show here on Pod Like a Raven. But this one. I had the idea. Uh, this came from Jace. Jace was throwing some ideas in the rundown about what to do here in this final section of today's episode. And it sparked an, an idea from me. Now, for those of you that, that don't know, or maybe you're just listening, um, or you've heard us say this a thousand times, Jace Antonio and I did a college radio show called Raven's Wrap-Up in, in college at the University of Maryland. And famously, this feels very familiar because... 
Antonio left for a semester, and the Ravens went on to win the Super Bowl. That guy, he is just a curse everywhere, isn't he? Jeez. <laughs> um, I love you, bud. I'm sorry. Uh, so Jason and I, for a full semester, we did the show ourselves. And, uh, you know, I would take the hosting duties. And, and our man Jace here, and I love him for it, we called him the stat man. Because this guy just knows stuff. As he jokingly said to me one time when, I, when we were talking about his exquisite memory of bringing up scores for baseball games that he was not alive for, he said, you guys had friends in high school. I know he was kidding. I know Jace has a lot of friends, but I'll never forget that line. It made me laugh out loud. Um, because, Jace, you're, you're incredible at this type of stuff. So what I wanted to do, uh, we were going to look at some like best and worst seasons and have some memories and share, share moments. But I came up with a quiz, and I call it Stump the Stat Man. And I went through profootballreference.com, and I came up with 10 questions. I will admit some of them are probably very easy. Uh, some of them... A more difficult and some of them I'm definitely going to give you if you get close I'll give you the correct answer I'll give you a uh, all right sure you're within the range that's fine I'm gonna have to do live math on the air and that's gonna be terrifying <laughs> but I have 10 questions here based on stats that I looked up at profootballreference.com if you don't mind just for the listeners even if you know it right away pontificate just a little bit for me so maybe the listeners have a chance to figure it out and we'll go we're just gonna go question by question here and see how many you can get right out of 10 I want to Start, though, no knowledge, and this is this is unfair to you, I will admit. How many do you think you're going to get right? Oh. <laughs> Six? Seven? Let's go seven. Let's go seven. seven. That's bolder. That's bolder. Seven out of ten. And looking at these, I'm, I'm pretty confident you're going to get you're going to get seven here. But let's start with question number one. Jace, how many times have the Ravens won their division? Feel free to talk it out. Let the listeners know your yeah, thought can process. I do, can well. I do some some finger math? Uh, you absolutely can. That, so we that have, is encouraged. I believe the first was um, 2003 because they famously did not win their division the year they actually won the Super Bowl. They finished runner-up to the then AFC Central division-winning Titans, which set up their epic win in Tennessee in the second round. Which is a brutal game, if you've ever watched. I believe the highlights are on uh, NFL Throwbacks YouTube, and just some absolutely brutal hits. It's horrific. Yeah, it's it's car crash violence, but but amazing at the same time. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Can't look away. They won in two thousand six with that dominant Ravens team. Twenty eleven, I believe, is the next time they picked up the division title. They went back to back in twenty twelve. Eighteen. Nineteen. Six, I think. You might get all ten. It is Uh-oh. six. And and you know what? I'm I'm just gonna I'll I'm gonna write it down here. I'm just gonna say bonus point. We're not gonna count it for your total because you did guess your ten. You got all six of them right. All six of them you nailed. That absolutely <laughs> stunning, and honestly, I'm not surprised. So there's one correct for Jace. I'm going to mark these down as we go here. All right, question number two. What was the Ravens' record in 2012, the year that they won the Super Bowl? Ooh, I believe they were 10-6 and six in the regular season. This is just regular season. I'm guessing. Just regular. Yeah, just regular season, correct. Ten and six, and then the four playoff ones. 
10 and 6 is correct. The Baltimore <laughs> Ravens won their division at 10 and 6. So, a you know. incredibly strange season. I think people pontificate. The, Let us yeah, know. Yeah, I think the farther we get from this, people have not remembered the whole season as fully. Uh that was not a great Ravens team relative to the teams that had come before it the prior two years. Like they were still good and the division was really down then. The Steelers, I think, went like eight and eight or nine and seven or something. Um but uh they missed the playoffs, I'm pretty sure, that year. Um but uh I believe they started nine and two that year with a ton of one score wins. They had that escape against the Cowboys, which is where Ray got hurt. They um they had like a nine to six game against the chiefs or like a six to three. They had a game where no one scored a touchdown <laughs> at some point uh, that I listened to on the radio because I actually went to an Orioles playoff game, which might not ever happen again. So uh, it will never uh, happen again. Uh, I promise. So that was, that was one I, that stands out to me. Um, they had the fourth and 29, very strange game against the Chargers where I looked at this one up recently for some reason. Of course you did. They had like 400 yards in that game to like San Diego's like 200 something. And somehow they only managed 16 points and needed a fourth and 29 to even fourths overtime, which seemed very Ravens. Um, <laughs> hey, diddle diddle Ray Rice up the middle. Yeah. Uh, in that era. So that was just a very strange season. Obviously we had the great unfollow gate of Ravens wrap up that we don't have to, <laughs> to get back into. Um, but then, uh, you know, the Ray announced his last ride. They demolished. Well, before then they demolished the giants, the second to last game of the season. Um, and I don't know if that game righted the ship because they obviously they fired their offensive coordinator, Cam Cameron, after they lost three straight games. Um, and uh, or two straight, I forget exactly what what point they fired. They fired him, him after the loss to the then Redskins, the football team, and uh, which then was, for yeah. the Broncos, they lost again. They 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 blew that game. They blew a, a loss to the Steelers where they lost to Charlie Batch. Uh, it was a strange, strange end of the year, and they fire their OC, and then Ray announces his last ride, and they go on a magical run that they might never replicate, at least in terms of winning how they did, the teams they beat, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, in their houses, the, the Mile High Miracle, it was so good, what a, what a run. For those of you that are like, he could just be making all this up, no, 9-6 against the Chiefs, another one-score game against the Cowboys, 31-29. Uh, the Browns twenty three seventeen. The Patriots thirty one to thirty. I mean, he nailed all of these. Uh, they they were dominant. That hated a little Ray Rice at the middle got them to nine and two. Then went nine and three, nine and four, nine and five. Beat the Giants. Then lost to the Bengals. Hilarious on the last day of the year, but still. Yeah, were in the I playoffs think they were like locked in at that point because I yeah. don't like remember even watching that game. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you are right. So all right, two for two here now. They are going to get a little bit more difficult, and uh, when I wrote these, n- not quite yet. The final couple ones are might just be wild guesses. But when I wrote these, some of these I did do two parts, or I added like a little bonus. And we'll determine as we go if it counts for the full point, um, if you get both parts right, or if just a bonus thing is for fun. This one, though, I'm going to say it because you're already flying through these. You have to get both parts of the question right. To get an actual point here. Okay. How many times have the Ravens finished the season ranked in the top 10 in defense? Points allowed. Points allowed. And how many times have the Ravens had the top defense in the league? 
points allowed. Points, huh? Because points are what matter, baby. It's what's on the scoreboard that matters. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to nail the exact points. Um, but I looked this up actually somewhat recently because I was curious. This is what I do in my free time. Um, I want to say the number was 17 times in the top 10. As for number one, I think they did it in 2000. Because that is the all-time record. Um, I never, believe never forget. They did it in 2006. That team was really good. And then they did it somewhat recently. So I'm going to say three. Mm. You are so it? close. Oh. No. By the way, I'll give, I'm going to give you a half point. I'll give you a okay. half point for number three. Because it's so impressive. Even though you did just look it up. I won't call it cheating. I'll just call it studying. 17 times is correct. They have finished in the top 10 points allowed. It was only twice. They finished 2000 and 2006. That's why I didn't cut you off. If you would have stopped there, you would have gotten the full point. Uh, They finished second two other times. In 2018, they finished second. And then in 2020, this past year, they finished second in points (laughs) allowed, which... What the hell? That seems weird yeah, to me. That doesn't I make sense. I never, no point. I'm sure we were screaming about their defense after the Browns oh, game. All year. <laughs> all year we were. Um, so, But, you know, Wink Martindale, good coach. So a half point there. Jason's at two and a half points so far. Here's one that you're definitely going to get right. Um, I wrote that. Admittedly, this is probably like the last question that I found. I thought it was interesting that I looked up the answer and I was like, oh, it's not that interesting. But I couldn't find one that was better. Question number four, who was the Ravens' leading rusher in 2007, the year they finished 5-11? and 11? Bill, uh, Obviously, Brian Billick's last year. Mm, I think, I think it was Willis McGahee. I think that was his, like, first year in Baltimore. So I'm going to guess it was him. You are correct. It was M- Willis McGahee. Uh, 1,000. 207 yards. I'm just looking wow. up quickly quickly here. And it was his first season in Baltimore. Very, very astute from you. I think, and I was looking this up for other things down the line, so maybe I'm spoiling it a little bit, but, you know, who cares? Um, they also had a 1,000-yard receiver. I think Mason, Derek Mason went for over 1,000 yards, and that team went 5-11. and 11, So, whatever. <laughs> I think we, Antonio might have mentioned that. Yeah, I think that's... I, maybe it's that season? I don't know. But yeah, it, it's like one of the best receiving seasons in Ravens history. And yeah, it was wasted on... A crap team. <laughs> Just a horrible team. I mean, obviously, there were so many bad losses. I mean, the one is, you know, the Dolphins went 1-15 that year. Oh, and the God. All right, all right. Moving one. on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> Question number five. It's sort of in the same vein, and again, I think you're going to get this one right. i got to make these way harder next time. <laughs> Who holds the record for most receiving yards in a single season for the Ravens? If you can name the year, I, I will give you credit as well, but that's not part of the question. I'll just, I'll, I'll clap you. I'll applaud you. I guess it has to be Derek Mason, right? There can't be anyone who had more yards than him in a season. We have our first full incorrect. Oh, no. Chase Evans, incorrect. And I'm trying to pull up now just to confirm, just to make sure, because when you get something wrong, it it terrifies me, frankly. Uh, And Pro Football Reference is not the best when it comes to uh, the website layout. Here we go. 
if we get to yards, I have the answer in front of me, but again, I'm legitimately nervous now. No, okay, I was right. Uh, Derek Mason, his 2007 season, the one we just referenced, is fifth on the list. Fifth on the list. Uh, Number four is Derek Alexander in 1996 with 1,099 yards. Number three is Kadri Ismail in 1999 with 1,105 yards. Number two, Torrey Smith in 2013 with 1,128 yards. And number one, also in 1996, the Ravens had two receivers go over 1,000 yards. It's Michael Jackson. No, not that one. 1,201 yards for him. So I, like, wasn't even thinking of those early guys. Yeah, I... I... That was, it was weird to think of because obviously we weren't really watching then. We were too right. little. But the Ravens were an offensive team when they came to Baltimore. And then uh, they immediately became a defensive team with uh, just – you look at those early drafts outside of like Ogden. All they did was draft defenders and then they had the best def- defense of all time in 2000. Yeah. So it worked out. But. Undis- undisputed, by the way. Undisputed. Um, yeah. It, it, interesting to me, I didn't – during the research, I didn't look far enough down to see that they had two. And I, like you said, I have no memory of the Ravens like pre – well, I shouldn't say pre-Ray Lewis, obviously. But like pre-defense being the dominant force type of thing. I think some of my, my first football memories are going – I think I went to the Titans home game that 2000 season when they played them at home. And I think that's like my first memory. So, yeah, it was – you know – uh tony banks and trent dilfer and all those lovely people yeah the uh i actually went i guess the first season i started watching the ravens somewhat regularly was 1999 because i had jersey by then and i actually went with uh my dad and uncle and my grandfather to a ravens bills game uh it, it on uh on halloween 1999 where uh, the final score was 13 to 10. The Bills came back with like 10 points in the fourth quarter behind Doug Flutie. Uh, final score was like 13 to 10, and both teams had like combined for basically 300 yards total offense. Oh my God. And Flutie threw like three picks, and Tony Banks had like one or two. I <laughs> mean, what a nightmare. Um, all right. So after five questions here, halfway through, you have three and a half points. So you're well on your way. You're literally right where you need to be in terms of getting your 7 out of 10. Let's go to question number 6 here. Where does our Lord and Savior and current quarterback, Lamar Jackson, rank among the Ravens' all-time leading rushers? And a bonus, and a bonus, and I won't give, this is just, I just want to see if you can do this. Can you name the top five Ravens rushers of all time in any order? In any order? It's, I'll give you... I put in order here, but you don't have to do in order if you don't want to. You can give it a shot. I will say, just maybe I'm throwing you off, maybe I'm not. This doesn't mean that Lamar is in the top five. I think he's got to be at this point. Is he, uh, is he fourth? Who are you thinking is ahead of him? So Jamal Lewis is number one, and Ray Rice is number two. And then I think Willis McGahee's got to be up there just from he was around for a while. So you're going to go with four? Yeah, I think so. And then like Priest Holmes, number five. Okay, so I will say you got four out of the five. 
Willis McGahee comes in with 2,802 yards. Lamar Jackson, 2,906 yards. Just 100 over. He places third. So another question wrong there for Jace. (laughs) Um, And I will say, too, the bonus, incorrect, four out of five. Number five, just above Priest Holmes, uh, let's see, by 50 yards now, exactly, is a man that we've referenced on this podcast, Gus the Bus. The Bus! Fifth all-time in Ravens rushing with 2,152 yards, and hopefully he shoots up these. I think he's going to overtake McGahee. Uh, might take a little bit to catch Ray Rice and or Jamal Lewis. I should mention Jamal Lewis, 7,801. Ray Rice, 6,180. So, n- wrong there. Four questions left. You need three and a half points to get to your seven. And this, and you know what? You might not get to the seven because these are where oh, they get incredibly oh difficult. Number seven. Where does beloved Ravens back up, at least in my eyes, thank God for that Seattle game, Anthony Wright. Rank among the Ravens' all-time passing leaders in terms of yards. Where does all beloved backup, <laughs> at least in Tim's eyes, Anthony Wright rank among all-time passing yards leaders in Ravens history? So this is hard, right? Because Anthony Wright wasn't even the starter all of 2003, which is the main season we associate him with. But he was around for like a few years. I think he started games like into 2005, but... I'll, I'll help you out here because it's tough. He was, according to Pro Football Reference, he was around, just like you said, 2003 to 2005. If you'd like a clue, I can try and give you. Uh, while in Baltimore, he started 14 games in two 14 seasons. 14 games. Okay, so I know at least two guys he's definitely behind. He is definitely behind three guys. He's definitely behind Joe Flago, obviously, number one by him country mile uh, by by 30 almost thirty-one thousand yards yeah. <laughs> yeah lamar is obviously ahead of him as well as well a few guys ahead of him so flacco lamar are definitely ahead of him kyle bowler is just by uh how long he was there uh i'll uh, put it i'll put it a john wick quote <laughs> sheer will <laughs> yeah. um I think Testaverde's got to be ahead of him just from how prolific he was in those two seasons. Um, now, now, now it gets hard. Uh, how sad is that? How sad is that? Because if if this if this was reversed, I would be right in the same spot as Jason. Like, oh my God, is Anthony right five? I'm not trying to give yeah. anything away, but I'll, I'll continue. I'll continue to help you out here you, in a different order. But you have named the top four. Okay. I think um, I think McNair has to have more yards than him because he he played parts of two seasons as a, as the primary starter, and he had to have gotten at least three thousand yards. I hope so in that 06 season. <laughs> so I am oh god, but then you have like Tony Banks. Uh, he was a starter for a while. Um, I am going to say. That Anthony Wright is seventh, <laughs> I think. You're so close again. Oh, no. Eighth. Oh. He is eighth all time in Ravens history in terms of passing yards. Uh, the one man that you missed, uh, you had you had everybody else ahead of him. You had Tony Banks, Steve McNair, Lamar Jackson, Vinny Testaverde, Kyle Bowler, Joe Flacco. 
the man who was supposed to come in and make us back-to-back Super Bowl champions, one Elvis Gerback, who... He threw for that many yards in that one season? <laughs> he threw for 3,033 yards in that one season. Oh. Uh, Anthony Wright coming in at 2,781 yards. Oh. So just behind him by about just under 300 or just a little bit yeah under 300 or so i'm terrible at math oh, Elvis uh, Gerback. coming in name. coming in ninth is eric zaire <laughs> then you have jeff blake never forget jim harbaugh super bowl champion trent dilfer chris redman stony case and we'll round it out with the top 15 ryan mallet 15 <laughs> all time in passing yards for the I ravens he, he started that aforementioned we that mentioned season. earlier the yeah the 2015 season he was the starter by the end of the year so so another wrong one there and they these get hard i mean i'm putting you on the spot here there's no research uh, involved what hurts <laughs> is i'm getting so close you are you are getting <laughs> so close which i'm you know it's not an insult to you to say I'm I'm not impressed because I'm just impressed any time that you throw these things out here, but it's almost commonplace at this point <laughs> when I'm when I'm dealing with you. All right, let's go to the next question. This one might be a little bit easier, seeing as you rattled off the the 17 for the top defenses uh, just a bit ago. The Ravens have been around famously for 25 seasons, a quarter century. How many times have they made the playoffs? Oh, okay, I can do this one. So. And this is a fun one to reflect on. It is, you know, it all is. The, yeah. All the success. I so, had to get off the passing yards thing to get to something better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is why we cling so much to the wins and losses, because for so many years, nay, decades as Ravens fans, the end result was all we had. It was brutal. It was hard to watch. <laughs> You're 100% you right. I have no argument. If you weren't leaving with a 16-10 to 10 W, you're just wasting your Sunday afternoon. As Ray Lewis famously said in the 2000 America's game, highly recommend you watch. If the, D- if the offense got us 10 points, we were winning the game. <laughs> Which they didn't do, famously, for a, a long time. of games. Yes. Um, but, obviously, they won the Super Bowl in 2000, so that's one. They uh, returned to the playoffs in 2001. In 03, we mentioned their division champ, 06. And then they went 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. So that's up to oh. 9. What a good era that people are just going to forget about. And it's so annoying. This, this is an off-air conversation. We can talk about it later. But <laughs> then one of the more underappreciated runs that was constantly like, yeah, this Joe Flacco, John Harbaugh thing is really working, guys. Why aren't people appreciating it? Sorry, continue. Uh, 14, yet another Flacco Harbaugh, uh, playoff appearance. Um, so that gets us up to 10. And then we enter the Lamar Jackson era, the last three years. So I am going to say I'm at 14, that's 10, so 18, 19, 20, 13. Back on the board, Jay Sevens, back on the board. 13 is correct. And I mean, I'm not going to give you a bonus point for it because I'm a cruel judge, but you nailed all the years. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it because I cut in with my Joe Flacco story, but they won the Super Bowl in 2012 as well. Never forget that. Uh, that run of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, winning it, missing in 13, back in 14, and then four years outside of the playoffs, man. That <laughs> Imagine being a Browns fan, moving on swiftly. Number nine, Ray Lewis obviously leads the team in the most solo tackles in, in Ravens history. Going on solos here. Pro football reference is a weird thing when they don't have combined for a lot of these. So just solo tackles only. 
obviously leads the team most solo tackles in history. What is the differential between he and second place? And who is second place? Now, it's a two-parter. You have to get both right. For the differential, I'll give you within, let's say, within 50. If you're within 50 of the differential, I'll give it to you. Second has to be Ed Reed, I would think. But um, the differential... Solo tackle differential. He's got to be up by, like, over 300. I'm going to say 350. (laughs) This one is the most jarring thing that I looked at here. And I know we're running long, but I don't care. Um, The the, the teacher's not here. The sub's in. We're going to play. Terrell Suggs is second. Oh, that makes sense. He has 99 more tackles. Than Ed Reed, who is in third. Ed Reed, 507. Uh, Terrell Suggs, 606. But Ray Lewis is 962 <laughs> tackles ahead of Terrell Suggs, coming in with 1,568 solo tackles within his storied Ravens career. I'm, we're, we're doing it. Screw it. We're doing solo tackles. He led the league three different times in solo tackles. Let's just run through the seasons because, you know, this is a fun show. 95, 156, 101, 130, 108, 114, 43 injured, 121, 101, uh, 38 again injured, 80, 83, 85, 95, 102, 77, and then 44, obviously another injury plague season. My God, that is insane. Um, and 962 ahead of anybody else on these storied Ravens defenses is just That's, another testament. Uh, to I how I should have I should have thought of Suggs, but I I had my initial thought. I was like, he's probably like 500 ahead, but I was like, no, that's too high <laughs> for solo tackles. It's it's uh, absolutely insane. Can you? All right, you know what? I know we're running a bit long, but I do want to do this anyway. I've given you Ray Suggs and Reed. How many more of the – we're going to do – keep naming guys you think are in the top ten, and then I'm just going to buzz you when you get it wrong, and we'll move on. No no order here. No order. If you, we'll just – Top ten. Have some um, fun. Here. Jarrett Johnson has to be in the top ten somewhere. Jarrett Johnson is 14th. That was quick. We're moving on. Oh, my God. <laughs> L- Lardarius Webb – and this is an order after Ed Reed. Lardarius Webb is fourth. Chris, Chris McAllister, fifth, C.J. Mosley, Kelly Gregg, Bart Scott, Jamie Sharper, and Jimmy Smith. Uh, another See, I was going to name Sharper and uh, – Bol- well, but I guess Bowler, you said, isn't on the list. Bowler right? is 12th. He so is I would have – You'd have been out quick. You'd have been out quick. All right. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> All right. And the final one here, this is another these last these last two are very much guesses. So I'm let me see. I'll give you I'm trying to think of what's fair. Within twenty five here. Within twenty five I think is easy. Or not easy, but makes it a little easier. How many total regular season wins do the Ravens have in their twenty five year history? Oh god. Um it's two hundred something. Uh two See, this one you can't do the finger math on. A little I, too much. I think it's like 215, 220. I'll say 215. With our differential, either will count. It's 225. Very nice job, okay, Mr. Okay, nice. 
225, that averages out to uh, about nine wins a season. So, and if you look at the percentage, it's 56.2% of the games they've won. So guess what, Ravens fans? You're blessed. Stop complaining all the time. And I'm basically screaming at myself. That was Stump the Stat Man. Uh, Jay said he was going to get 7 out of 10. He got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and a half. Still a valiant effort. Uh, some of those were completely random, I know. Yeah, that was uh, so fun. <laughs> great job there, Jace. We'll bring some of these back as well throughout the season, I think. This is just a fun fun bit that we can keep going to. Um, before we go, though, that's going to basically wrap things up. We are going to go back to Random Raven and see if I can guess who Jace has for us. So, Jace, before we go here, just read these clues off again once more. Yes. So, this player out of UCF, which, if you don't know, is University of Central Florida, latched on to the Ravens practice squad in 2013 after spending one season with the Bills and one season with the Patriots. He jumped up to the 53-man roster in 2014 and spent three seasons in the Ravens lineup, appearing in 48 games with 20 starts. He caught 128 passes for 1,539 yards and nine touchdowns in those three years, leading the team in all categories in 2015, which just if uh, you want, that was he caught in 2015, he caught 75 passes for 944 yards and five touchdowns. And those totals all led the team uh, in 2015. And then number four, he moved on to the Colts in 2017 and then spent his final season with the Eagles in 2018. And clue number five, his number 11 has since been worn by three other fellow wide receivers, including Brashad Perriman, Seth Roberts, and James Prochet. Mm. I mean, I, my only guess, I don't have anybody else, is it Kamar Aiken? Did Kamar Aiken lead this team in, in passing or receiving categories in a season? Kamarika did leave, lead the Ravens oh in God. every receiving category in the 2015 NFL oh season. My God. Every single one. <laughs> yep. Nailed it, Tim. Good uh. good guess. Uh, yeah, I was stunned to discover he led an NFL team in every receiving category in a calendar year. Now, granted, that team went 5-11. and As we mentioned, Ryan Mallett played significant parts of that season. Uh, Matt Schaub was all time. I believe Steve Smith got injured that year. Corey Smith was no longer on the team. Um, Brashad Perriman, who they in fact had actually drafted that year, uh, would not play a game that season due to injury. Um, so, uh, yeah. Kamar yeah, Aiken. terrible. Terrible, basically. <laughs> that's, in general. How, that's how Kamar Aiken leads your team in uh, wow. every receiving category in a calendar year. Wow. Um, a, a fantastic random Raven. Um, not to tease... Or, you know what? It's a little bit of a tease. I know we're going to be away a bit. Again, next episode coming out August 10th uh, with all three of the guys again. I believe it is my turn again after... Actually, I can look it up right here. Oh, no, it is not my turn yet. Excuse me. It is Antonio's turn because I just had Willie Anderson. I have another one uh, based on the research that is Kamar Aiken-like. We'll put it that way. (laughs) I looked it up and I went, oh, my God. Yes, this guy. I remember using this guy in Madden, and he was way better for me in Madden than he ever was for the Ravens, and it is going to be very interesting. So I am honestly, I'm making a note to myself right now. So August 17th, by the way, because we're back to a full schedule from there. August 17th will be the one where my random Raven, unless Antonio steals it, which he could because he's a smart man, um, he will have it there. So for Antonio Barbera, for Jay Sevens, I'm Tim Horsey. Thanks so much for listening for Pod Like a Raven. Again, let us know how if you got the random Raven right. Let us know what your thoughts on Lamar Jackson, on 
on if you are as worried about Melvin Ingram as we are with the Steelers. How many you got right in the quiz if you were playing along with Jace? Did you stump the stat man? Were you smarter than the stat man? Let us know. Twitter at Tim Horsey, at Jace T. Evans, at Antonio underscore Barbera. Most importantly, at Pod Like a Raven on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and, you know, for the guys, like I said, we will be back in three weeks with a brand new episode of Pod Like a Raven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.